I want to talk to you about the Word of God. I want to talk to you about Jesus. And it had to be quite a struggle, I would imagine, for Joseph, engaged in love with Mary, who was pregnant with a child that he knew he had not fathered. I mean, can you imagine that? Maybe you can. How, he thought, can I break our engagement without ruining her life any more than it is? He's exhausted. He goes to sleep. He receives a visit from an angel of the Lord. And the angel tells him that Mary's baby is from God. And that he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then the passage that Matthew writes that you can see on the screen behind me, it contains an ancient biblical prophecy from Isaiah, and it's about to be fulfilled, and it goes like this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to look at those three words, God with us, and I want to do it maybe in a bit of a unique way, and I want to emphasize one of those words in three ways. God, and then we're going to look at God with us, and then we're going to look at God with us. You know, astronomy fascinates me, though I cannot grasp very much of it at all. You know, I really don't understand how light can travel at 670.6 million miles per hour. That's beyond my ability to compute. And if, you, if that light somehow were to curve itself around this earth, it would do that seven and a half times a second. That's how fast light moves. Seven and a half times around the earth every single second. Even more amazing, light travels 5.88 trillion miles a year. Now, I'm going to give you some big statistics. I want you to see how big of a God that we have. That's actually called the light year. How far it can travel in one year, 5.88 trillion miles. If you were to walk the distance of one light year, keeping a constant 20-minute mile pace, you would complete that distance in 225 million years. That's if you took no bathroom breaks. It takes light 1.3 seconds to reach our moon, 8.3 minutes to reach our sun. It reaches the most distant object that we can see with our naked eye, that's the Andromeda galaxy. Light gets there in 2.5 million years. Incomprehensibly, in 2016, NASA's Hubble telescope discovered the most distant galaxy that it's seen so far. It's called GNZ 11. It's 32 billion light years away. That is just massive. It's not even able to be comprehended. And God, according to the Bible, created all of this, speaking light into existence. In fact, it says in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3, that he set he set it all into motion. He put it all into the sky. And then it says in the very next verse, in verse 4, What is man, man, that you are mindful of us? 
So here we go. I want you to really do this. And you're thinking people, and I'm a thinking person. I just read to you just some basic astronomy facts on how big our galaxy is, how big our universe is. There's a whole lot more. But if the Bible is true, that God put all of that into motion, that God created all of that, and then it's followed up in Psalm 8-4 by what is man that you care for us, that you are mindful for us. Would you focus on that for just a minute? We're talking about God with us. Why does God want to be with us? Why would he be with us? You know, one of the things that's on my bucket list, I've never done it, is I want to take a trip to Cozumel. I have been there, but I want to go in a glass-bottom boat, one that you can see the reef that slides by below you as the boat skims across the surface. And I want you to imagine seeing those fish, and you can see it through the bottom of that boat and see the complexity of the reef. But then I want you to imagine the difference if you put on a wetsuit and you've got some scuba gear and you actually go down and your face is inches from that reef and the fish are swimming all around you. What a difference that would be standing in that bottom, that glass bottom boat to actually being down there looking at it. How would God, here's my question, how would God step out of that bottom of that boat and come down into our environment? How would he come down into creation? Well, the Bible says he's going to do it in the most normal of ways. He's going to be born as a baby. God will be born as a baby. Have you ever really thought through that, that he's going to be a baby? He's going to teeth. He's going to grow and he's going to experience puberty he's going to keep growing and he's going to leave the home as a man i mean i think sometimes we so theologically approach emmanuel that we forget that it is god with skin on this is god in the flesh this is god as a human being like you are a human being like i'm a human being and while we could get to the facts of it I really cannot even begin to comprehend that God, the universe's creator, entered his creation as a baby. Why? So that he could be with us. I want you to reflect just a moment on that beautiful, simple word, with. You know, I come from a really rural town, 600 people in my town. I grew up in this town in central New York. There was not then, nor is there now, a traffic light. I mean, this is a really small town. And there were hundreds and hundreds, thousands actually, of acres of woods behind my home. And I grew up outside. I grew up up in those woods. I'm just a country person. You give me a chainsaw, give me a tree stand, and I'll see you in the spring, maybe. I just love being outside and in the woods. So my son, my youngest one, has been asking me, Dad, can you take us to New York City? I'm just going to tell you that when my son asks me to take him to New York City, there is anxiety that goes through me. I'm not a city guy. That's intimidating for me. Denise really didn't like my idea. I just wanted to give him a bus ticket and a $50 bill and just go. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. She didn't. So I asked a family who's in our church, 
who has a home in New York City, one in Pennsylvania, and I asked them, would you be willing to go into the city with us? And they said, yes. Now, I had asked other people to do that. Some of you probably are even here. I don't even remember really who I asked, but I do remember you started telling me how to get to New York City and things to do in New York City, but none of you really volunteered to go into New York City with us, so I don't even really pray for you anymore. <laughs> but this family said they would go with us, and that's all I needed. That just takes my anxiety and completely gets it out of my heart. Somebody is going to be with us. I don't need directions. I need a guide. I need a person who knows the city to be with us. Now, that may sound crazy to you, but if I was on my own with my family, I would be anxious, but I'm at ease with a guide. There's just something about the word with. You see, God isn't hanging out on a beach somewhere in the Andromeda galaxy, sipping on, on a coconut drink. He is not scheduling himself to check in with earthlings every couple decades. He is with us. God has come into creation. He came into creation as a human being. His name is Jesus Christ, and he wants to be together with us. I'm wondering why God would want to be with us. It just doesn't make sense. Now, listen, it would make sense to you if you think you're a really wonderful person. I mean, who wouldn't want to be with you? If that's your perception of yourself, then it makes, it makes sense that God would want to be with you. That doesn't seem so spectacular, but I don't really think it makes that much sense. Why would God want to be with us? I mean, come on, deep down in your soul... Don't you know that you're not really that morally wonderful? Haven't you experienced that sense that all is not well in your life or in this world? Haven't you wondered why your relationships have been so difficult? Why sometimes they end? I mean, most people I talk to, when they're really in their most honest moments, they've got a sense that not everything is right within them. But all of us, I mean, this is the truth. This is what the Bible says. All of us have been created by God, designed to rightly be with God in friendship. Did you know that you were made to be a friend with God? And any separation from God causes a level of disorder in our being. And there's only one thing, and I want you to know this, it's not your pedigree, it's not your family background, it's not your education, it's not your degree. There's only one thing that will ever separate you from God, and the Bible tells us what it is. Your sins, it says in Isaiah 59, are the roadblock between you and your God. Ah, uh, here's the pastor talking about sins. I think we've got to face the reality I've never met anybody in nearly three decades of ministry that has ever told me, honestly, they've never sinned. We all know we've sinned. Our consciences tell us. It's your sins, the Bible says, that are the roadblock between you and God. And if we want Emmanuel to be with us in friendship, then something has to remove that roadblock. Has it ever occurred to you that in most countries, including America, 
The severity of a crime depends on both the unlawful action that a person takes and also whom the action is against. You know that, right? That if you hit your neighbor, if you hit another human being, you're going to be in trouble. But if you hit the police officer that investigates, you're going to be in more trouble. And if you hit the judge in before whom you've got to appear, you're going to be in the worst trouble. It's not only the crime that you committed, it's who you commit the crime against. That's in almost every developed country. And in a very real sense, sin is a high crime against God. He's your creator. He's my creator. He's the one that made us. He designed us. And sin creates the roadblock. It's the obstacle. But Christmas is the message of good news for sinners. For Christ came to take away our sins. Though the wages of sin is death, the Bible says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What better time is there than Christmas? To pause and to be honest with ourselves for just a moment. Do you believe that Jesus Christ loves you? Now, I can amen that. A lot of you can amen that, but I'm going to tell you there are people here that cannot and will not amen that. I run across them all the time. And my constant message with people, God loves you more than you will ever, ever know. And do you believe that Jesus greatly desires to be with you, to be together with you? Can you admit that you are a criminal with God, you've sinned against God, that's your crime, and you've sinned against God himself. You've rejected him. There's people here, I am sure, that want nothing to do with God. That's your choice. And you don't want God telling you how to live. You or I, we deserve judgment when we do that, but God's not going to let us go. But if he's going to save us, if he's going to forgive us, somebody has to stand in our place, and they've got to take the penalty for our sin. If sin is against God and it deserves eternal death, then somebody who is innocent, that has never sinned in his life, has to die for us so that we can live. That's the law of sin and redemption. But we got a problem. God cannot die. But God in the flesh can. And Jesus was born to die so that we could have life. He came as a baby. He grew up as a man. He gave his life on that cross to die in our place. And anyone who will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, the Bible says. But it takes a heroic act to be able to admit to God, I am a sinner, I deserve death, but I want life. And I believe, God, that you want to give life to me, that you died for me. Here's my life. You can have me, all of me. Come, Emmanuel. Come, save me, and be with me. That's the prayer of confession. John Wesley, you may or may not have heard of him. He was a great 
great preacher, songwriter. He was an avid abolitionist. He worked to end slavery. He died March 2nd, 1791 in London. And on his deathbed, surrounded by loved ones, he opened his eyes for the very last time, and he said what I'm about to read to you twice. He said, the best of all is this, God is with us. That's how John Wesley died. Those were his final words. See, he died with Emmanuel on his lips. You know how? Because he lived with Emmanuel in his heart. God, the one who created you, who wants very, very much to be with you. It is, it, it's his unstoppable desire. And even though each of us have sinned against him, he has made a way for us to be saved. God came into our world. He was born a baby. He grew into a man. He died on a cross in our place. Why? To take away our sin and to give us life. That is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I am about one minute from being concluded. And I want to ask you to do something. Regardless of where you come from when it comes to your view of Jesus Christ, would you just stop and reflect for a moment? If my life were to end tomorrow, do I have peace? Do I have confidence that I will spend eternity with my God, the God who made me, the God who died for me, the God who wants to be with me? Have you ever approached God knowing, admitting to him, confessing to him, I have sinned against you? And the punishment fits the crime. It's eternal death. But God, you don't want that. You created me to live with you. To be together with you, and you made a way through Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. Help me believe, give me life, and let me live with you forever. If you've never done that, would you possibly be brave enough to reflect on that, even this Christmas season?